It's Driving Change from ATI. I'm Jeff Berman. This podcast was created to improve our members' experience and to further assist with their growth. My hope is that you'll find the stories you hear from fellow shop owners relatable to where you are, where you were, or where you want to be. Ultimately inspiring you to take that next necessary step. You'll be hearing how others fought the same fight and what they did to get through it and come out better on the other side. Tune in each month for another inspiring story to drive change in your shop. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are alive here today. It's me and Mitch Schneider, Mitch, Jeff and Mitch. And we also have some guests today, which is Steve and Sarah Conondike. <laughs> I practiced that, too. Can you believe it? Anyway, so they're here from Lynchburg, Virginia. They're joining us via Zoom today from Lynchburg, Virginia. They got a, a shop in uh, Lynchburg Endurance Auto Repair. Uh, they've been in the program with us since 2016. They started just under a million dollars. And this year, they're planning on doing 2.6. And by the way, I'm going to say it because I know you're too humble and you don't want to do it. But they are in our top 25 for 2022. And we're headed off the Super Conference in just a week. Probably by the time this airs, that'll all be over. But we're going to Super Conference and we're going to see who's going to make it to that number one spot. And I got news for you guys. You do have a chance. I know you do. do. Thank you, Jeff. (laughs) All right. So that being said, um, I'm going to let Steve and Sarah kind of start us off and give us a little bit of background of of who they are and how they got started. So one of you guys want to kick it off and get everybody a little education of who you are? Yeah. So uh, my name's Steve. I grew up in Michigan. I moved to Virginia in 2006 to go to Liberty University, where I finished a degree in finance. I met Sarah as I was graduating. Uh, you know, I was, we were both a little older. I was 25 when I finished my degree. Um, anyway, uh, I was working as a mechanic when we before we met and then when we got married. And I stayed at that job for about a year, year and a half after we were married and with aspirations to open my own shop. Uh, eventually, because I was putting so much energy into opening my own shop, it created a lot of bitterness with my, uh, I was a, probably a toxic employee at my previous place of business for aspirations to work for myself. Um, I'm now friends with my former employer and I apologize for some of my actions, but opened the shop in 2011, you know, kind of as we were coming out of the worst economy and, you know, the bottom of the bottom. And, uh, you know, it was a steady progress and growth year by year within the first four months, I hired my first employee, uh, then a second. And then by the time I joined ATI, uh, the first year they came around in 2015, I told them, I don't have time for this stuff. You know, shop management things. I got too much work going on. I can't take a day off to go to the next town over an hour away to listen to some boot camp. The following year, I didn't even know what they were selling. I pointed at the guy and I said, I need whatever you're selling, but I don't have time to talk to you. So they did an onsite with us. And my wife and I both having been educated, chewed over the costs and everything and really mold over everything that was there. But we realized that we both had college educations in different degrees, in different professions. But we really needed a college education in automotive management. And Jeff shared the numbers. When we joined, we were under a million. Uh, We're shooting for 2.6 and we're still in the same facility we were in. We've added four more bays since then. But, you know, we've more than doubled our growth with far less than doubling our footprint. Uh, They really have made a life-changing difference for us. 
Uh, I'll turn it over to Sarah to kind of let you know what she was doing prior to me and the business and where she's at. Prior to you, I think I'll skip that part. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing matters until I met you, Steve, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so at the time um, when we started our shop, um, well, when Steve and I first got married, he was working for the other employer. I was teaching. Um, uh, I'm a former teacher, high school teacher, math, science, and um on my way to school every day, I would pass a property that had um, a single bay cinder block rundown old building on it. And one day they slapped a for rent sign up on it on the front door. And I called Steve and I said, oh, there's a there's a shop for rent. We should rent that so you can do your side work. And we did for $500 a month. And um, so that kind of started that. He forgot to tell you that when he stopped working for the other shop, he actually got fired because he would, had taken a day off um, of the shop that uh, of work and to do side work. <laughs> and his boss found out and came in and fired him on the spot there. So that was a bad move. And we don't like to um, advertise that, but since I just told you, I guess we are advertising. <laughs> the world knows now. <laughs> but I was, uh, okay. So moving forward, fast forwarding a little bit there quickly. Um, I was teaching, I was able to move to, from teaching public school to teaching uh, with an online academy, uh, K-12 incorporated there, and then able to quit that and work only at the shop. And then fast forward even further to 2019, um, we had our first child, uh, was able to have him there at the shop with me. And then fast forward to 2021, had our second child. And now I work completely from home. So it's life has completely changed, but the, um, the progression of our business and how everything has moved forward and the growth in all different areas has really, um, has really, uh, helped us uh, move forward with a lot of areas of our lives and it's improved. So it's been, it's been really good. Amazing. Yeah. I'm listening to your story thinking, you know, how, how many people have a similar story, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I couldn't work for somebody or didn't work out as well. I was trying to make ends meet and you know what? I can do this myself. And it's that e-myth entrepreneurial seizure thing, right? I mean, <laughs> we've all kind of had them. That's what got most of us. I shouldn't say all, most of us. That's how we ended up in this place. And you know what? We love it. It's interesting finding, listening to you from a school background, I'm curious, you know, did you think it would be easier to deal with adults than kids? <laughs> I knew it would be because <laughs> actually um, the, the, it just, it depends on what situation that you're in, but it, it all has the same drama. <laughs> it all, there's all the, the same problems. It's just, you know, these specifics are different, of course, but I actually do like dealing with the adults more than the kids. Uh, otherwise I'd still be doing it. <laughs> you don't have to deal with raging hormones. <laughs> no. adult, adult hormones have settled down. So A really? <laughs> when does that happen? Uh, <laughs> 76, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, hilarious. All right. So we're here today to talk about toxic employees. That's that's really what we're, we're titling this podcast. And uh, we've, we spoke for, I guess it was about 30, 40 minutes uh, before we got together here. And um, Sarah and Steve have some really great things they want to share with us. So, you know, 
Steve, maybe I'll just ask you to kind of start off with that one employee we were talking about, and we'll just kind of see how that evolves. Okay. So we were, I think, in our third year of business, and I was looking for an A play or an A tech, and I stumbled over to the Honda dealer to pick up some parts. And the parts department introduced me to one technician. Your dealers can be great employment opportunities as well. Uh, and I right away the fellow wasn't. He was an older gentleman. He said, "You know, I'm going to give you the name for another fellow. He's really well lauded, but he's over at you know our new store down the road." And we interviewed, and he was extremely well educated. Uh, he was actually the most certified Honda technician in Virginia when we interviewed him. He literally completed every on-site class, every online class, and every piece of paper you could get. So, I mean, on paper, he knew his stuff. Um, we were still pretty new. He gave us a amount of money he needed, which was right at the top of our budget, but was still within our budget. And uh, they were having, I think, their third child at that point. And we knew that was coming up. So we gave him paid time off to have that child. Um, Christmas was paid, et cetera. And he said, you guys have given me more paid time off than uh, I ever got from my previous employer where he had been there for five, six years. Um, with that in mind, he came on board for about the first year. You know, we kind of let things kind of go. I was having some production issues, um, but I blame some of that on multiple lines versus only working on Hondas and Hyundais, which is where he came from. Um, we, at that point, without ATI help, we're doing annual performance meetings. And uh, after that meeting, I kind of said, you know, it's been a year. I'd like to see some productivity increases. You know, let's see it turn some more hours. I mean, I was a pretty fast tech when I was a full-time technician. And I had a standard in my head that I thought everyone should have. And that's on me. And I'll admit that I push pretty hard with my current staff, even because I have a high standard. But as things progressed, productivity never got any better. And the shop was not progressing in the areas we wanted. And we were really struggling with different areas as to what was causing it. We joined ATI. That was met with some very negative responses. They, those, uh, those people don't know what they're doing. Now, he also has a family background in lube centers in the Maryland, D.C. area. So they're quite familiar with you know ATI and the territory you guys are very well saturated in. And uh, you know, so it made me question those, that decision and everything else. But with that in mind, it continued to erode kind of at my foundation. And you can see Sarah shaking her head. What was your, uh, she's going to struggle with this because uh, it, it did a lot of damage long-term for us mentally, emotionally, uh, you know, even together with our marriage. What, do you have any thoughts on how we started? How we started? Like working with him. Well, I mean, he just came over and we thought, oh, wow. And actually uh, it, it's an actual qualified um, technician. He didn't come out of his backyard like everybody else did, you know, because when we first started, we kind of thought, you know, we're new and we're not a dealership. So we're going to get the bottom of the barrel. Well, here comes a guy from a dealership. Well, let's, this is going to be great. Um, and he was very liked. Um, he's a, he's very influential. He's an influential human. And so people that are around him, as long as he, as long as you're not an authority over him, you think he's a saint. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of, um, you know, my thoughts as far as when he first started working for us. Um, as time went on, though, the hours he was turning, I was just I was just continually disappointed 20 to 25 hours every week. And he's supposed to be this high producing tech. And um, there's a few things that happened. And I don't know the order and all of, uh, you know, the order that everything happened. But one of the um, 
parts people over at the dealership that he used to work for made a comment to us when we ordered a part from the, and so then I realized, okay, he's got this reputation for being slow. Okay. Time goes on. And, um, you know, there was a couple of lots of conversations Steve and I had and asking him to be more productive, created a lot of bitterness with, with him. And he even said to Steve one time, I don't want to hear that word productivity again. I don't want to hear that. That is no, that you have no business saying that word. And it was just one of those things, just disrespectful. And it was like, okay, he doesn't even, his, his values and his idea of what this should be, they don't even line up with ours. We ended up having a meeting about a year after he started working at his house um, his wife and him invited us over because they were, you know, getting upset with us, or I'm not exactly sure what the situation was, but um, they wanted to basically confront us for constantly asking Joe to bring up his productivity and leaning on him to turn more than 20 to 25 hours. And I remember he cried a little bit and all this. And I remember I just was getting really upset and thinking, you know, we're pr- paying you. I even said this and I got elbowed during the meeting, Joe, we're paying you a premium salary. You know, you've got to turn the hours and Steve elbowed me because, you know, we knew that it was just going to hurt his feelings and create more bitterness. And it did. Um, as time went on, uh, other things happened and um, his uh, one of his um, family members works at the hospital. We have a lot of customers that work with this family member. And it came back around to us that, um, and this was probably two years into it, came back around to us that um, rumor has it that people at endurance put on cheap, cheap Chinese parts on your car and charge dealer prices. And, um, all they want to do is rip off their customers. And I knew this because my, uh, brother-in-law works for them or something. So this, this family member is spreading rumors or is spreading rumors around a place where we're getting a lot of customers about how we operate our business, trying to basically, um, defame or, you know, you know, damage our reputation with a large group of uh, of customers and potential customers, which wasn't true. Well, the, <clears throat> there was more to it that all their customers would leave if if oh. we lost if we lost him as an employee. And um, he told the he was we, would, they, we wouldn't be able to you know keep up with the customers' demands if we you know lost him. So basically, you know, the only reason that we have the customers we yeah, have is because, because of him. You know, it's one of those things. And people say. if people if he were to leave, all of our customers would leave. Yeah. And so we confront him about it and um can i share this i don't know what you're going to share well so there's a um there, there's a really good uh um thing that rick warren the, the purpose-driven life guy does on how to confront uh somebody and i just watched that video from him on how to confront people in a kind way and i literally textbook went through his method and i confronted joe about what he said and he didn't deny it but i will tell you for the next six or eight weeks he was the most productive he had ever been the entire time he worked for me. When I just threw it down and said, did you say all this? Because I don't really think that's true. And he didn't deny it. He did say right to Sarah and I both. Yeah, I said it. Do you believe it? And then he backpedaled and I went through the entire Rick Warren method of confronting someone. And he really, for about two months, was the most productive he had ever been the entire time working for me. Well, and then the other the other couple of things that happened um, I don't know how much you want us to go into all this, but that you know uh, during that confrontation we we were camping with my parents 
um, the weekend prior to us confronting him. We usually confront people on Mondays. <laughs> I don't know. I think we, <laughs> we, can, we have to like figure out over the weekend how I we're going to do it. It's awful. We've also fired people on Mondays, which is not a great thing, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but we were with my parents camping and this, this situation just ruined our entire camping trip with my family because mm-hmm. that's all we talked about was we couldn't believe that Joe would do that to us because integrity is our, one of our core values. I mean, we, you do the right thing, no matter what, it's always going to work out if you do the right thing. And he's over there telling people that we don't do that. (laughs) And, um, when we confronted him, he said, well, do you guys still want me to be here? And I wanted to say no. And I don't know what Steve said. I can't remember, but I I asked him if he wanted to be hindsight 2020, he was trying to get us to fire him because his wife didn't want him to quit. And, um, so that happened. And then there was one other thing I was, Oh, so then fast forward more, more time. My sweet little employee that I absolutely love reminded me of my cousin when we hired him, he would come back and tell us things that Joe said and Joe, um, something happened and he looked at our other employee and said, you know what? Um, uh, Steve was panicked about something, trying to get stuff done. We were running behind. And he said, you know what? This makes me want to put on my, my anchor boots. And I'm just going to drag, I'm just going to drag this out as long as I can, because I, I can't stand the fact that he's asking me to be productive or asking me to be efficient. So I'm going to put on my anchor boots and he's, he's doing these things on purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it was the whole time uh, with him. The the thing that I keep thinking about as you, as you were going on is that, that, that one person that you just described is working at about maybe 60,000 shops across Mm -hmm. the United States doing the same thing Mm -hmm. to the same owners for just as long as you know, as you had to suffer through that, uh, because for whatever reason, the shop owner was reluctant to finally pull the trigger mm-hmm. and and put the situation out of its misery. And it's really a tragedy because in this particular case, when you have a guy that's doing 25 hours, who's 40% productive or 50% productive, you're actually subsidizing him if you're giving him a salary plus incentive. Yeah. You're actually subsidizing him to screw your business up. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame that that we can't overcome that fear that everybody has of, well, what's going to happen? You know, what if, what if I fire this guy now? How are we going to get the cars out? What are we going to do with them? My dad got, got tendonitis. I told this story to Jeff a, a couple of times. My dad got tendonitis in his hands. And the, the way that I started out as a professional mechanic, I mean, I, I knew how to do some things around the shop, but uh, I didn't get serious until my dad got tendonitis in his hands and he had two techs working for him. And they decided that was a wonderful time to hold him up for a raise. You know, either, either you give us a raise or we're going we're gonna to walk. And my dad walked him out into the shop and he says, you see, see that toolbox, that your toolbox? And he said, yeah, that's my toolbox. He says, you see that? It's got wheels on it. You know what? The wheels are there. And the guy said, why? And he said, so you can roll it out onto the sidewalk, get the hell out of my shop. And I said, that's great. We've got cars that need to be done by five o'clock. What are we going to do now? And he said, you're going to be my hands. Mm-hmm. He said, you're going to be my hands. And I went to work for Socrates, who never answered a question in his life. He just asked questions. <laughs> And uh, and it, it was worth it. But we, you know, we we made the same mistakes with the same guy that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He manifests himself all over the all over the country in shops, mm-hmm. big and small, anywhere. And there, and you know, Jeff likes to call them uh, toxic. I like to call them malignant. Yeah. And I, I I like to call them malignant because they spread their their yeah. cancer yeah, throughout the shop. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So I said, do you want me to share how I terminated him, Jeff? What it finally came down to for us? Well, or do you yeah, go before, back you, before you do, I just want to add something and yeah, you can share yeah. that, but I, I want us to you know think about, it. I listened to that whole story and I'm thinking, you know, there's a million, there was a lot of red flags along the way, right? Yeah. That you ignored or bit your tongue because you didn't want to do what you really want to do. Like, you know, when you said, do you like me having me here? I wanted to say no, but you didn't. Right. So, you know, things like that, but you know, what are those lessons that we learned? What, what was the, the, you know, the moment of, okay, it's costing me money here. It's costing me this, you know, you know the, all this fear he was giving you about, well, you'll lose your employees and you'll, you know, I'm the reason everything. I mean, I mean, it's all ego, right? Yeah. And, you know, we're, are we buying into it? Or are we just afraid? And then, so then you fired him. What did you experience? So I'm, I'm, I want us. I want the the audience to hear the the cost of all this to the company and the solution and and all of that, right? So as you share that, think about that. All right. Um, so we were running with four techs, and honestly, a twenty five to twenty eight thousand dollar week was pretty good with four techs at that point. Um, we terminated him, so we lost twenty five percent of the production force. And what I was doing was I was. <laughs> I was only doing damage control at that point. I had, like Mitch said, tendonitis in your dad's hands. I got tendonitis so bad that I was getting steroid injections in my right arm so I could straighten it in my elbow. Um, So I really wasn't able to be a big assist when they needed help on the shop floor at that point, but I'd still grin and bear it or do it left-handed. Anyway, we got rid of, you know, and... We, I don't remember how many weeks we went where we didn't do less than 30,000, but it was a month and a half, two months. Our sales went up. So we lose 25% of our production force. We didn't replace him. And we didn't replace him. We didn't have someone replace because, you know, there was the belief of the tech shortage. And, and, the, pro- and the productivity of the other three techs skyrocketed. Oh, exploded. It was unbelievable. So did and, you notice a change in their attitude? I mean, oh my goodness. Did, what was happening? One of them came up to me and said, can I move into his bay? (laughs) As soon as his toolboxes were out of the shop, I said, sure. And he moved up there and he was happy as can be to be up on the hill in the new building. You know, our shops get two levels. So he went to the upper level of it and he was just thrilled to go to that building. Um, I mean, that wasn't, I mean, the wheels, you know, the dust was barely settled from when he uh, rolled his box out and he asked that. But yeah, everybody's attitude. When Mitch mentioned, mentioned malignant, right? So cancer was spreading while we had him in the building. Mm-hmm. Well, when he's removed, you know, is this like chemo and and is the cancer being cured? I mean, what, I mean to use that as an analogy, what it, were they all still sick or were they healing? That's what I'm asking. How do you explain say, that increase? Yeah, yeah. well, that, you can't, but here's what I'm going to say. Chemo, and Mitch, you can probably say that chemo takes a long time. Stem cells take a long time. It's a battle. You remove that toxic, that cancerous, that malignant employee, and it is almost instant. It, it's it is miracle. literally like, right. it, it's like, it was like steroids in my elbow. When I, I mean, it was, I'd go into the doctor and within 24 hours, I could pick up a gallon of milk without crying. I could straighten my arm. It was unreal what the uh, cortisone would do for my tendonitis. And it was super serious. For someone listening who's in the same spot as you or where, where you're in and they're in it now and they're riddled with all this fear, right? And it finally happened for you. You know, you, you, the wheels are on the toolbox, roll it out, right? And out mm-hmm. they go. You know, were you were you fearful in that moment? Were you worried that the walls were going to crash in? Did, 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 you know, what, what was that moment? What was that like? For me, 
I, I don't remember what book I read. I don't remember what it was. But for me, I was tired of not being happy. I wasn't happy. Sarah wasn't happy. We were taking, I mean, she shared. We ruined several vacations, stewing and weekends and time that we shouldn't be working at the shop or working late hours to get caught up or to do things. We were both sick of it at that point. And something was going to give. It was either going to be we were going to give or we were going to give up on ourselves or just the stress wasn't worth it. Even though we were working with ATI, we were making money. But we were going to remove the things that really hurt us. And frankly, I'm, I, I decided I'm never going to let somebody damage my marriage, damage my freedom, and damage my business the way he did. And I told him, I said... I can't make you happy. And I don't want someone here that's not happy. And I really want to be happy. And it, I mean, it was, it was eye-opening. Well, for me, the, the biggest problem was that I was scared of two things. I was scared we wouldn't find another person. I was scared that, um, that we were going to lay off a, the sole breadwinner of a family of four, a family of four children. So a family of six at that point that I didn't want to be responsible for putting them in, you know, in the poor house. And, um, I was also worried about him just running our name through the mud the second we let him go, because, you know, we, we ran in this similar overlapping circles of people. And when he, when we fired him, so that's what my fear was. I didn't want to have those things happen. And when he left, he waved goodbye to me. I happened to be on the phone when he waved goodbye and I just couldn't even say goodbye to him. But when he left, it was like a breath of fresh air. And I will tell you from that point on, um, you know, and there, a, a huge weight was lifted off of my shoulders and a huge source of um, fighting and bickering between Steve and I was gone. And the damage was still done because it, he was there for years. It wasn't just a short time. He was there for several years. Um, after that, we did make, we did slowly learn this lesson, but we have made the same mistake with um, multiple employees. We haven't kept them around for years, but for months we have. And now we know that, okay, once the, I'll say this, like I said before, once the employee goes to the dark side, they're not coming back over to the light. And once you realize that's where they are, you need to just let it go. There's all, it's never going to be a good time to let them go. You're always going to be scared about the work that they still have to get done. They're going to make mistakes once you realize that they need to go. They're going to just keep making mistakes and it's going to be better for them to be gone than it is for them to try to stick around. And every time I just think to myself, okay, I'm going to just close my eyes, make the right decision. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and it is every single time. And it's, it's just so much better. The problem is you can't fix somebody no. that's broken and doesn't mind being broken or doesn't know they're broken. You, you can't do it. You need, if you're going to help somebody change their situation, they've got to buy in. They've got to have skin in the game. They've got to want to be better. They, they've got to want to do better. They've got to, they've got to see, they've got to have the same values and see the same future, you know, the same wonderful future that you know is possible because you've already started to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So you know, let them, let them go somewhere else. I heard goes too. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. I, I heard two very powerful things in what the two of you just said. First one is that, you know, you're worried about how his family is going to be and all. Mm -hmm. he wasn't thinking about you for a second, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And here we are, you know, bleeding hard. We, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, that's what makes us great, right? I mean, we're humans and we should have feelings and I get that. And I'm not trying to sound heartless here, but I want us to realize that he didn't care about you yeah. and, you know, he didn't deserve to have that kind of care. 
care and concern for the, you know, he, it was just one-sided in that way. Mm-hmm. Right. So that being said, um, he didn't get fired. He'd already quit. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's not, you're not responsible for what happens. He's responsible what happens. He could have had a great career with you. He chose not to, you know, you're, you're just helping him have the choice he wants. So I, I don't see that as a responsibility at all, but I think it's important to point out because I know lots of people listening, he feel that way. The other thing I heard that I, I wanted to point out is, is that you really, when, when I asked you, you know, what did it feel like? And, you know, what got you there? Really what I heard was this, when the pain of staying the same became greater than the pain of the change, that's when I changed. Exactly. That's right on. <laughs> yeah. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want our listeners to hear, because that really is it, is that we'll struggle along for years and years and we'll deal with all that pain until the pain becomes so great that no matter what happens after that, it can't be as bad as this. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that we wait that long. Mm-hmm. And now you said we've made those mistakes since, but we haven't waited quite as long. So that's mm-hmm. progress. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And and I think that that's important to know too because we learn from these mistakes and we we do less and less of them and you know as as you grow I think you're going to find that's going to be the case even more. I wonder I wonder what would have happened if you had gone to your other three techs you know privately in, in private meetings and you could certainly do that by having private meetings with everybody there including but I wonder what what they would have told you I wonder what they would have told you about uh, what it's like working with him mm-hmm. you know for the for the for in this situation Mitch. Uh, with other bad attitudes and toxic employees, like they were all glad. But with this fella, he was genuinely a nice guy. Most people like him. Most people, you know, said he was very liked. And, you know, if you've done anything with the Maxwell levels of leadership, I firmly believe he had a higher natural level of leadership than I have. And so he was very influential, but it was also that influence that was keeping Mark attacks being slow. I think if you ask them, Prior to him leaving, they would have said, oh, no, we couldn't go without him or no, that's not. But a month after he was gone, when they saw what their potential was and how much him going by to chat and maybe even, you know, like him helping them wear their anchor boots when they realized that they didn't really have to buy into what he was doing, doing the things and doing the doing things the way I wanted them done was going to create better paychecks for all of them. They all did say to us that they were glad that he was gone. But it was one of those situations that that was probably the most difficult thing for both Sarah and I is that he had so much natural, just kind-hearted Influ- influence. Influence is the thing. You know, in a social, in a social manner that it made it very difficult because, you know, he was liked and getting rid of somebody that people perceive as them liking them is a, is a real problem. But, you know, but it, it, again, it's, it's, it's based on fear, the fear of what, might, of what might happen or, or what could happen in the future. You, you have within any organization, especially a larger organization, you know, more than two people, you, you, you can have silent leaders. And you just said something that was really very, very important. And that's that you don't know how much time was lost in the shop by him not working. Because, I mean, his hours had to go somewhere because he was there 40 hours a week, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So he chose not to produce during half of those hours. Yeah. And if he was interacting with the other techs and talking to them, then you've got a silent leader and you usually perceive that there's something wrong with the other tech, not with him. 
Correct. And that's what he wants you to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're completely, you're hitting it right on the head. And there are so many people, you know, that would blame it on the car, on, you know, everything else when it really was their choice and actions, you know, that, you know, somebody like that is, is dangerous and they're, they're toxic and they are malignant. And it, it's no different. It's no different than somebody saying, here, take a bite out of the apple. <laughs> it's good. Wait, wait, Mitch, did you say there's 60,000 of these people out there right now? <laughs> how many How many shops are there? I mean, I there are 60,000. There are 100,000. There are 100,000 shops in the country. Are there not? I at think least. it's 150,000. It's well, we've there are 150,000 so. shops in the yeah. country with multiple technicians at most shops. So you do the math. Mm-hmm. You think there's only one? I just wanted to point it out there that many of you listening have one of these because there's at least yeah. 60,000 of them. <laughs> you know, and it, I say I would add that what Steve said when he used the word influence, I think that's a really, really important word and powerful here because the truth is the person we're talking about typically does have the influence. And mm-hmm. because they have the influence among the other staff, they're all just following that influence. And so when we remove that person, that influence is gone too. And that's where things just kind of lighten up again and then go back to doing what they want to do or should be doing or what feels right. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it really is the truth. There's a couple tells and then looking as we the more and more, because it's been several years, it's taken us that long to really get to where her and I can really talk about it. Yeah. It created a void of communication between Sarah and I, among other problems that we, we gave up on. Um, but we did the bird test with all of our employees. Of course, he wouldn't take the bird test so we could see the results. He did tell us that he was mostly owl with, with the eagle, which is what I expected. And now I can look back and I can pick people out. We've done it so many times. But like there's just defiant, dis, you know, like defiance against it for, for no reason at all other than for swaying his, you know, perceived authority around. Um, but th- those are tells that, you know, kind of, or if you, if you want to institute a program or a new policy or something, this, these toxic employees you, that you may not even realize how toxic they are, are the ones that fight you. Some fight you because they don't like change. And that's pretty much most mechanics. And, and, but, and again, they, some of them won't fight you to your face. Correct. Some of them right. will fight you to the other employees right. in, in, that's in the, the shop key. environment. And that's where it's dangerous. That's, that's where it correct. becomes really, really dangerous. Yeah. An employee that an employee that will confront you to say, I don't want to switch to this software or I don't want to do DBIs just because you've never done it. That's pretty typical amongst mechanics in general. They're all a bunch of owls. Well, all I- a bunch of thinkers. They don't like change. But when they backstab you to all the other staff, to undermine what policies you're implementing that have nothing but the ability to improve the environment is where you have problems. And those are the most toxic employees. You know what's a shame in all this for me is that I I, I got a picture of who this guy is in my head. And I'd be willing to bet that if he didn't go down this toxic road, that if he went down more of a partnership road, he's obviously smart enough. Mm-hmm. He's got the leadership skills. He's got the, you know, the 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 ability to influence others and have them follow, right? I mean, he, he's got all the right traits. If he had just partnered up with you, right? And and believed in the mission and was a part of I mean, could you imagine what what difference it could have been instead of what it is? And and I, I say that because that I believe is why we hang on to these people so long, because we see yeah. that in them. Yeah. And we want that for them. But as Mitch said, it doesn't matter what we want if they don't want it. Right. That's it. And I, That's I, it. I really I, as I'm listening to that just kind of hit me that, you know, it, it really 
it's a shame that they spend so much time trying to mess it up when what if they just did the right things, right? And so the 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 thing for me right here is is that if you look back over all those years, I'm sure you would say, yep, red flag, 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 red flag. And you ignored them for however long it was until finally the pain was too great and you had no choice. You know, what if earlier on, as we were starting to see the red flags, instead of being so fearful of him leaving, we actually confronted it and and was able to get them on board with that's where I'm headed with this. Could there have been a time earlier on where had we not been so afraid and backed away and hoped for the best and kept quiet because could we have actually made a difference and had a whole different trajectory that guy? We can, we can always say yes to that question. But when the parts guy asked, if- forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That was a dead. That was I, a dead giveaway. That. Yep. yep. That was a yep. dead giveaway. You know that uh, one of my favorite authors, Seth Godin, talks a lot about sunk costs—costs costs that you incur in doing business that that won't go. You know, they're gone. It, whatever you invested is they're gone. And so many people try to chase them to recover them, and it's impossible to recover them. You're a finance major. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, the same thing holds true with people. And if they're if they're this guy was gone at the dealership, you know, you got to work hard to burn up 15 hours a week of doing nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got to really work at it. Think about that for a minute. I mean, he's what what's he doing? Yeah. Most of the time he's trying to subvert the other employees. That's what he's doing. You're exactly right, Mitch. That's exactly what it is. I think so. one of my I think one of the biggest things for me is I realize that we're going down the the same path when we start making excuses for the employee. Well, this happened because, well, this is because they're doing this because, and that's what we did for so many years with him and what we did with many other employees, you know, since them, since then, but we are really starting to recognize that once we start making excuses for them, or once we have to start changing our company policies or not doing an improvement for our company in whatever category you want to talk about, once we decide to make a decision because of how somebody who works for us is going to feel about it, they have to go because, you know, it's just one of those. That to me is just the biggest sign. And the, the other sign is once Steve and I start talking about the problems that whatever this employee, whoever they are, once we start talking about that more than we are working on our business, if that is the topic of our conversation every single day, it's got to be done. Nip it in the butt. Yes. Like the end. Yep. Sorry, this is yeah. not working out because we've got two little boys and those little boys do not need to you know, be pushed to the side because we can't figure out, you know, how to make so-and-so happy. So that's just, those are the two, the two things when we start um, making excuses for them. And when it starts to monopolize our time at home and our I don't think I, I'm a firm believer that you can't make anybody else happy. No, you can make no. yourself happy and your being happy can influence their behavior, but right. you can't make them happy because yeah, right. there are some, some people that are just plain miserable. Um, they like being miserable. Yeah. It works. Well, they can, they can, so yeah. are they happy when they're miserable? Is that what yeah. <laughs> yeah and they're, no, I, they're not happy when they're miserable. They're happy when they make somebody else miserable. They're, oh, they're content. Yeah. They're, yeah. Content, they're content when they have other people in their own misery or yeah. they get the satis- they get satisfaction out of thinking, perceiving that they're right about the damage they're causing other people. I think that, I think that, that first of all, I want to thank you for being as open and honest as you were during this conversation, because not a lot of people, not everybody would do that. Not everybody would open up that part of their business life so openly and so honestly. And uh, and I think that a lot of people who, who listen to this, and I think they'll listen to it more than once, 
will get a great deal out of it because of, of your being so candid. And I really appreciate that. And uh, I, the second thing is that I am so glad that you figured that out before it really impacted your marriage, your relationship with each other, and then affected the relationship you have with your kids because they didn't ask to come into this. Hmm. You know, they, they, I think you're both rock stars for for what you've accomplished so far. And if I ever get to Virginia, which I hope I will, I'd love to come down and visit with you. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. And I, I, I would say that, Sarah, those last few things you said, and I'm saying this because anyone listening needs to rewind and listen to the last part that you said, because that really is what wraps this up for, for me. If I were anyone listening saying, yeah, I'm struggling with a toxic employee, what you just said, those are the signs that I need to pay attention. Those are the things that were gonna, are going to help me change my thought process so that I don't stick with this too much longer. And, you know, to going back to what Mitch said, yeah, you guys have been extremely candid, wonderful having, you know, I've known you guys for a lot longer than Mitch. Mitch just met you. (laughs) (laughs) But I can say he's an extremely good judge of character. And I I want to come and read to your (laughs) (laughs) three-year-old. Make sure you bring a really long book. (laughs) I read a lot. (laughs) My favorite book to read my kids was always Good Night Moon. Do you guys read that book? We've got about four copies. That was my favorite. That was just the one. Anything with a construction vehicle in it is the book of choice right now. (laughs) Bob the Builder kind of stuff. Yeah. Mike Mulligan. Mike um, Mulligan. Steam shovel. You familiar with it? Uh, that's now my. I guess that's after my kids were grown. I don't. Oh know. no, this is 19, nineteen thirty-nine. Oh, it was before any of us. That's Mitch's time. Mitch, do you remember that? <laughs> that was unkind. <laughs> I'm just stating facts, kind or not. Nineteen forty-six. <laughs> All right. Well, you you know you're closer than any of us. How's that? Yes, I am. Indeed, I am. All right. Well, this was wonderful. I am so glad we did this. Thank you guys for coming on so late. It's look. It's almost nine o'clock at night and um you're still here with me so and mitch so thank you so much i really appreciate it thanks for having us yeah thank you you're welcome thanks thanks bye-bye you have been listening to driving change from ati if you liked what you've heard today and feel you have something compelling to share with your fellow shop owners we're waiting to hear from you you can contact me jeff berman by emailing podcast at autotraining.net Let me know what it is you can't wait to share and how I can reach you. Make sure you follow this podcast so you're notified when the next podcast is available. If you're unfamiliar with ATI and you want to learn more, you can check us out online at autotraining.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.